Hello and welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and next week, August 7th through 11th, I've declared it Assistant Coaches Week. Each day, I will be releasing one episode featuring an associate head coach and assistant coach. These coaches do a lot for the sport and their respective programs, so stay tuned to find out who it is. The song you just heard is I of the Tiger by Survivor, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Brad Smith. Brad may very well be the greatest high school coach in Iowa high school wrestling history. In his 45-year career that took place at both Lisbon and Iowa City City High, Brad coached 65 individual state champions, which includes five four-time state champions. He set records with 704 dual victories and 19 team state titles. But even more impressive than that is all the boys he helped turn into men. Brad retired after this past year and is now an avid pickleball player. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Coach Brad Smith. Now, what do you do now with all your free time? Well, free time is uh, what to make of it. I play yeah. a lot of pickleball. Really? Okay. Three times a week. I've been doing that for quite a while and still keep in contact with my wrestlers and my coaches and stuff. So, you know, I'll probably be going over there, you know, next year once in a while. So I'm not going to completely shut it down. Yeah, you probably can't, right? You know, you probably can never just completely right. it shut it down. Yeah, it's it's been my lifestyle for 45 years, so. Yeah, even before then, you know, as a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, I started wrestling. I actually started wrestling in seventh grade. It was my first experience with wrestling, and then could con- continue on from there, so I competed for quite a few years. You know, I wrestled at Iowa, of course, and mm-hmm. – I did my thing there, won a national title in 1976, a few years ago, but uh, started coaching in 78, and the rest is history. Two years out, you were the coach? You were coaching? Yeah. Yeah, I I actually finished up school in 78, and then in the fall of, uh, well, spring of 78, and the fall of 78 is when I started at Lisbon. How'd you end up at Lisbon? Well, I was, uh, the story behind it was, I just got done with my degree, my coaching uh, certificate and my PE. I was sitting in the wrestling office uh, talking to one of my assistant coaches, Jay Robinson. Mm-hmm. He became the head coach at Minnesota for several years. And he got a phone call from uh, Al Baxter, who was a coach at Lisbon at that time, asking Jay if he knew of anybody that was ready to coach or anybody around that he knew of. Um, I could maybe, you know, interview for the job. And I was sitting right there at the desk talking to Jay when, when Baxter called and, uh, we set up a interview and, uh, I just went there and the only person I talked to was Al Baxter in my interview. Mm-hmm. We talked about about an hour or so and had a good talk with him and our philosophies jived. And, uh, as soon as I got home, I got a call from Lisbon and they offered me the job. Wow, just like so that. Happened to be at the right right place at the right time. Al Baxter, you know, I hear his name quite a bit and what he did at Buena Vista. And oh, I didn't realize he was at Lisbon before that. Wow, he just, he must just be somebody who I don't think I hear gets enough credit, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's, he was at Lisbon for nine years. Mm-hmm. And he won five state titles there in nine years. It took him a few years to build it up. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a guy that gets the tradition going at Lisbon. 
And, uh, you know, I, I figure it's going to be a hard act to follow him, but, um, you know, I, I, I took me a year or two before well, my first year there, we were state runner ups. And then 1980, we won, I won my first state title at Lisbon and, uh, had a real good career. I was there for, I was there for 13 years, won 10 state titles in 13 wow. years. And then I went to city high and Iowa city high decided to go to a bigger school. And my first year at city high, we won state championship and had a good run there. So I stayed at, uh, city high for 21 years. And then I went back to Lisbon for the, for the next, uh, 11 years and <laughs> finished up, uh, 45 years. So, but Al Baxter kept, I kept in touch with him even when he was at Buena Vista. And actually he, when he got to Buena Vista, he turned that program around in a couple of years and he started having wrestling camps and he'd get boy, three or 400 kids, you know, every, every, oh, every session, He's just a people person. And I ended up going down there and working camps for him about four or five years when I was Lisbon, he was at Buena Vista. So we had a real strong bond, him and I, and we always kept in touch and talked wrestling. We still do at this point. Yeah. Wow. Dang. Did you ever think like, were you nervous following Al Baxter when you were, or what were your first, if you can remember being a coach that yeah. young going to Lisbon? With that, yeah, yeah, because I was like, I think it was just 22 when I started, 23 when I started, and wow. um, and, and and originally, kids, the kids would go, Well, Coach Baxter didn't do it that way. <laughs> and I go, Well, listen, I'm not Coach Baxter, <laughs> and it took me a little while to really earn their respect. By, by the yeah. time the midseason came, my first year. They, they, they came together and, and it made my job a lot easier. And at that point I had a no assistant coach at all and neither did Al. So I, I, it was just me. I coached the elementary kids. I coached the junior high kids and I coached the high school kids. Jeez. And during, yeah, during wrestling season, we had like a athletic hour, the last hour of the day, mm -hmm. uh, the last hour of the day, I coached junior high. I had, I had them just for an hour and then the high school team would come in and, and some of the some of the junior high kids, the good junior high kids, would stay with the high school kids too, and that really helped them to get to another level. You know, working out the high school kids every day, and then um, high school practice, and went from there. Yeah. Did you ever uh, think about or have an opportunity to go back to Illinois? Where are you from? I did a couple times. I had a couple offers from a couple schools. Um, East Leiden High School where it was traditionally real strong when I was when I was going to school in Illinois. I went to John Hersey High School mm -hmm. in Arlington Heights, but um, East Leiden was always good. West Leiden, um, DeKalb, um, but I got an offer to go back to East Leiden, and, and I went there and visited. I and I was front of the board and stuff, and. And I was just about five or six years in the, my Lisbon program. And I, I just decided it, you know, I met some of the wrestlers and, and some of the assistants. And it was just like a completely different atmosphere. It was, it, to me, it was it was a huge high school. And, you know, I'm sure I would have, you know, when I went to City High, it was a huge high school compared to Lisbon. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just decided I, I wanted to stay more longer at Lisbon. I just... When I left, when I left Illinois and came to Iowa to wrestle in '72, that was my first year at Iowa mm -hmm. wrestling for um, Kurt Meyer and Gable. 
Um, I really liked Iowa and, and I decided I just wanted to stick around Iowa. So I did, I didn't end up, uh, taking that Leiden job, even though they offered it to me. And then I also had a chance to go to university of Illinois in Champaign as a collegiate coach, but I was still into the high school scene. You know, I, my feeling is when they get to college, a lot of those kids, you know, they're pretty much, um, setting their ways, you know, they, you can still teach them things. You know, I learned a lot when I was under Gable and stuff at Iowa, but um, some of them are pretty much set in their ways. And I wanted to form kids. I want to develop kids, you know, from, you know, junior high up and even elementary all the way up to, to, you know, be part of the program and see how they mold into, you know, good people and, and good wrestlers. So that was my, that was my philosophy behind staying at the high school scene. Hmm. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, the college scene or the upper, the next level is just it's not your thing. It's not like you were saying, it's just not something that you were right. interested in, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, what was it like wrestling for, for Colonel Meyer? You know, everyone Meyer, kind of forgets before Gable was Gary Kurtlemeyer. Yeah, Gary Kurtlemeyer, he was a great promoter. He actually came to um, – watched me wrestle at Hersey my senior year and um Kurt and I would always get lost when we, when we would drive to meet and stuff in college nobody would nobody would like to ride with Kurt and because he never asked for directions and he'd always be the we'd be the last one to get there for weigh-ins and stuff and he he was coming to my meet my meet at Hersey High School and he's gonna give me the letter of intent to sign but he wanted to see me wrestle once and because uh, all it was hearsay, he knew I was good in high school. And a lot of people had good things to say about, about me. I was a two-time state champ and stuff like that. But he he completely missed my meet. By the time he came to the meet, I was in the locker room in the shower. And uh, so he had to wait until I got out of there. And then he came over to my house and took my parents and I out for dinner. And then, you know, I had I had offers from other colleges and stuff. Harold Nichols came to my high school when he was at Iowa State. That was Gable's coach. Mm-hmm. He, he came to my high school and, and I didn't even know who he was, but he was a legend then, you know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know who this guy was because I was kind of, you know, obsolete about, you know, knowing some of the coaches and stuff. But so I, I, I went quite a few places before Kurt Meyer came in. I went to Michigan and I went to Oklahoma state, uh, talked to Iowa state, Minnesota, but I always, it, you know, wanted to wrestle for Gable. And that was one of uh, Kurt Meyer's ploy. He said, well, Dan Gable's going to be there. And Gable was my idol when I was in high school. I saw him uh, wrestled Larry Owings mm-hmm. in the finals his senior year at Northwestern because I was, you know, Arlington Heights is pretty close to Evanston. Right. And I, I saw I saw him lose that match and you could hear a pin drop. That was, that was crazy when he lost 13 to 12. Um but he's still my idol. And, and when I know her, Gable was coming there, I, I signed the national, uh, national Leonard tent right there. And, and the, and the rest of history came back and wrestled for Gable and Kurt my karma. Was, he was the one that got Gable there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got Gable from Iowa state. And, uh, I don't know how he did it, but he got him over to university of Iowa. And of course, Gable, when I finished my senior year, the next year when uh, Gable took over as head coach in 77, and I took, I think they took third that year, his first year. And then that's when they won nine in a row NCAA mm-hmm. titles under Gable. And um, boy, he just had an unbelievable career. And he's, I learned a lot from him 
uh, wrestling from him and being in his program. So when I graduated in 76, I stuck around for two years and competed for the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and um, and learned a lot from Gable there. And I, I worked camps from him after that before I took the job. So I had a good background of technique and philosophies from, from Gable and Kurtemeyer. And it, it helped me to, you know, succeed in my coaching. Yeah. What, what kind of challenges did you have to overcome? You know, I mean, you have all the success, but it didn't come, I'm sure, without some adaptation or some challenges that you had to overcome. Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, you know, it's uh, we had good numbers at Elizabeth for a small school. I think my first couple of years we had around 30 kids and there's only like 70 kids in the high school. And um, wow. I didn't I didn't have to fight with a good basketball or basketball program has has <laughs> had much success because, you know, you don't have a lot of athletes in the high school to begin with. And most of them went out for wrestling because Baxter made that stamp and, and and developed that tradition. So kids wanted to wrestle. And so that made me my job that much easier because our, they already had a pretty good tradition. And wrestling was the big thing in town. And um, and the thing that made my job a lot easier, too, is is people in the town accepted me right away and didn't second guess what I was doing and never had any parent problem with parents or um, you know, they always, always had my back and whatever you want to do with my, my, my son, you know, push him as hard as you want and, and that. So I didn't have a lot of obstacles to really overcome because Baxter made my job easier because of the tradition he said, and everybody was all on board for the wrestling program. So I just had to make sure I took care of business. Yeah. Were you, did you feel ready when you took the position? Like, were you, yeah. Were you- yeah, I was pretty, you know, like I said, I, I learned a lot, you know, a lot of technique. The only thing I didn't know a lot about was structuring um, practices and, you know, getting the most out of kids, learning how to, um, you know, not burn kids out. Sometimes coaches, when they first start, they'll, they'll push them too hard at the beginning of the season. And then, you know, by mid-season, you know, you lose a couple kids during winter break and stuff. And, um, and then they come, you know, they, they, you come back after break, give them a little time off and, and, and you keep pushing and pushing them and, and they, they don't happen to peak at the right time. And I always, you know, learn that from, from being under Gable too, is to pace yourself as a coach. So I knew that coming in and I did that. So I, I, I set up a, a practice schedule I do, I do a lot of research too. And I always have, and I, I think that's helped me out. The internet is, you know, you get on the internet, you can find almost anything on the internet, mm-hmm. but um, I did a lot from, you know, peaking at the right time, how to peak your wrestlers, not to push them too hard, how to keep them motivated. You know, all those things are important as a coach to learn those, those concepts. And so I, I, I was able to do that right away because I spent a lot of time, in the off season, you know, preparing kids and getting kids ready. You know, we, we didn't really have an off season when I was coaching at Lisbon. Um, you know, if kids, kids were out for football, you know, kids did football, kids did track, you know, t- kids did baseball, 
but always had time for those for them to get into the restroom room with, even if they were out for other sports. So I always learned that from, you know, being if you want to be successful, you got to put in the time. And in a small school, you want those kids out for other sports as well. Yeah, I I want a lot of my kids played football. A lot of my kids ran track, played baseball. Yeah, very few kids just just solely wrestled. Even at Lisbon, and when I first got there, they were they were two or three sport athletes. So coming in and 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 being prepared helped me right away. Even my first year, I mean, you, I there's some things I adjusted over the years that helped me become a better coach. So I always found ways to uh, improve what I had done every, the previous year getting ready for the next year. So you learn each year that you coach and learn proper ways to adjust to what you're doing to make more successful practices and things. But one, I think one of my main successes was the time I put in as a coach and how I was was able to keep kids healthy and not burned out. And by the end of the season, they're on their second win and, and, and peaking at the right time. So that's been one of my successes. And that's why I've won the state titles I have and had the state champions I had because I've, I've kept it in perspective and, and I knew how to pace them. Mm-hmm. And um, what about also instilling confidence in them that they didn't know that they maybe realized they had? Right. And that's one thing, you know, high school kids, a lot of times, you know, they second guess themselves and they don't really understand, you know, how to set goals. I mean, kids have goals, but, you know, but they they don't really have a game plan and and how how to get there. You, you You have to set goals, but you have to know also how to get there. And I helped that, you know, every year I had kids fill out goal sheets and, and we would look at them. I would look at them and, um, and, and then I write back things that they need to, to adjust and to improve on. And a lot of those kids listen and they live and learn by um, the mistakes they made. You know, if a kid, a kid, you know, isn't having a lot of success at the beginning of the season, a lot of times they just, fall in a rut and they just don't have a good year Uh, but most of the kids once once you sit down and talk to them about some of the things they need to improve on and how to reevaluate their goals they start getting a little more confidence and they start winning a little bit more and it's all in your work ethic too you know uh, they need to understand you know how to push themselves and, and train train right and train smart a lot of kids train hard, but they don't train really smart. They don't know how to, you know, sometimes put it back a little bit, not, not to go so hard um, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, there's times that they needed to give breaks. You know, when I first started coaching, the one thing that I learned is the only day I gave them off was Christmas Day. That was it. <laughs> and now the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I, I, I've given them four or five days off during winter winter break and Christmas, and so they could spend time with family and just get away from wrestling for four or five days. So that's helped. But when I was coming out of college, you know, I felt, ah, they don't need a break, you know. And some of the kids, and they they didn't go anywhere, and they they were always on practice after the after Christmas Day. But I figured after the first year, you know, they didn't need a little more freedom and, and, and spending more time with family and stuff because during wrestling, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you know, all that stuff, and New Year's, all that stuff comes during wrestling season. So, 
And it's tough if you don't give those kids time off to be with family and stuff like that. So, but the confidence thing comes with, you know, building them up in practice. You know, if a kid, if a kid, if you know a kid's struggling, I was always good about kind of reading kids. I would pull a kid aside after practice and sit down and talk to them. And, you know, sometimes they have other things that were bothering besides for us. So maybe they had some family issues or, you know, whatever, you know, girlfriend problems, you know, whatever it is. Usually I could sit down and talk to a person. I could, I could get to their heads a little bit and find out what was, what, what was bothering them. And, and, and after that, you know, if you, pay attention to kids and, and give them some extra time. Those kids come out of their rut and their confidence builds. If you believe in them, they'll, they'll believe in themselves. And that's, that's real important coaching. Yeah. Um, how did you, you know, we talked to, you talked a little bit about burnout for the athletes. What about you as a coach, you know, burnout for yourself, how did you, and how were you able to keep it going for so long? I mean, 45 years, is a long time. And right. No. Right. We dealt with a lot and you need yeah. a system too. Yeah. You know, I didn't really give myself, you know, we go during the summer, we'd go to wrestling camps every summer. And that's a lot of planning, getting kids to go and getting the money for the, for the kids. We had, we had a real good wrestling club that would donate money to the kids, but um, to the um, wrestling camps and stuff like that and junior nationals and going to Fargo and, and all those things to help wrestlers be successful during the season. But um, I've never, you know, I, I've always loved wrestling. I've always loved coaching. I, I loved it as a competitor and I never had any really bad experiences, but um, you know, I just feel if you, if you really enjoy and you love what you're doing, you don't get burned out. And, you know, and I spent a lot of times, I did a lot of stuff in the off season, even in the fall, you know, getting ready for the wrestling season. I'm always thinking about what I can do to be a better coach and motivate kids and just, you know, just do the right things. And so every year, you know, I tried to do things that improved what I could do better and that kept me motivated. So if you keep yourself motivated, then you intend to have less issues with burnout. So I don't think I ever really got burned out. I mean, this final year, you know, I could have come back and gone another five years, but my wife said, <laughs> this is good enough. And she's mm-hmm. been, you know, she's been my support and my, and, and always had my back for years and years. She, she, um, ran the uh, hotel rooms for the state tournament, organized all that. And she's always been part of the program. So that made me feel good that she was supporting me and kept me going and kept me motivated. But we got six grandkids now and we want to do a little more traveling. One of our, one of our sons moved out to Florida just here recently, his family moved out to Florida and uh, we're going to go see them in a couple of weeks and it gives us a place to go someplace in the winter. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's all part of the family. Family's important. And it's about time to give back more to them now and, and, and kind of just lay back on the wrestling scene. Yeah. How, how many hotel rooms did you normally need? Oh, we usually had, boy, I can't remember how many hotels, probably about 30, 35 rooms. My gosh. Yeah. yeah. At the Marriott, the Marriott, you know, they usually gave you, you know, 
they always put up the prices during the state tournament, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they always they gave us a pretty good deal, and Connie's a good, real good at, at you know kind of working on a deal with them and and getting everybody the rooms they wanted and stuff, and um, so that helped quite a bit. And that's one thing I didn't have to worry about. So she <laughs> took care of that. And we had real a lot of support from all the parents and stuff too. They helped out with a lot of different things. You know, getting kids ready for this, you know, sectionals and districts and state tournament and packages and stuff and food for state and all that stuff. And the, the school, the school always, you know, took care of us pretty well, you know, for food expenses and all that stuff. So it made my job a lot easier in that, that regards as well. Yeah, that's a lot of extra stuff that, you know, if you're not involved in that, you don't realize how much extra stuff that you have on your plate. Right. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on there too. You know, you know, you want to you want to just focus on your your team and the individuals and get them ready, not to worry about the other things. So, but uh, like I said, you know, I didn't have my my first assistant coach was in nineteen eighty seven. So my first seven eight years, wow, coached by myself, and I finally had an assistant. And he didn't even get paid the first year. Then finally, listen, figured well, they didn't have an assistant coach as, as well as our program was going. So we finally had a paid assistant. And my last seven or eight years at Lisbon, I had one full paid assistant and I had about seven or eight volunteers. So we had a lot of guys in the room, a lot of young guys, too, that that were former wrestlers of mine that um just wanted to be part of the program, give back to the program. So, but Dean Happel was my assistant the last several years. And Dean was a four time or three time state champion. And I coached him when he was in high school (laughs) and uh, I actually got him out for wrestling. They moved to Lisbon when they're in seventh grade. And when I found out uh, this new family moved in, I was real aggressive back there. And so I went down to the home ec room where they were him and his brother, he had a twin brother. And I uh, said, you guys are coming out for wrestling. <laughs> they, they didn't know anything about the sport, but Dean was very athletic. And, and Dale was a good wrestler, too, but he had he had bad. He had a knee injury that really set him back. So he didn't c- complete his wrestling career. But Dean was a three timer. And then obviously he, he's been he had a couple of pretty good wrestlers and Kale and Carter Happel. They were both four timers. Mm-hmm. And then Quincy was a three-time place winner. And now he's got another one that's going to be a sophomore, Cade. So he wants to stick around for Cade. So he's going to, you know, ironically, we really didn't have many coaches even apply for, for my position when I left. So we've had a couple of couple people with interest. But right now we don't have anybody that's going to take my place. So Dean is going to take the head job until we find somebody else. And then a couple of my other volunteers and assistants are going to be assistants. So I think eventually they'll find somebody, but it's like, you know, me falling back. I wasn't really afraid to, you know, step in my, in his shoes and, and do my own thing. I think a lot of people now are a little leery about stepping into the program now because all the success that Lisbon's had you know, sometimes people are just afraid to take the chance and afraid to fail. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that someone eventually is going to step in and take it and, and go for it. And that's what they need to do because you need to figure out as a coach coming into a program, it doesn't matter what the coach has done before you, you're going to want to set your own legacy yourself, you know, 
Yeah. That's what, that's the attitude I had, and that's what the attitude of anybody else that comes in and replaces me has to have. And I, you know, I'd be willing to help help them, um, give them ideas of things that I did, and any help that I could give, I would do that for the Lisbon program. So, but Dean knows all about what's going on, so he'd be he'd be a great replacement until they find somebody else. He doesn't want to be a head coach for another 10 years or anything. I think he just wants to be in there three or four years until his last kid gets out of there and, um, um, you know, get, give it to somebody else. So we'll just see what happens in the next few weeks and mm-hmm. maybe we'll get, there's good applicants and we'll, we'll get somebody else, somebody else in there fresh, which would be good for the program. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, how long had you been kind of debating, that this would be my last year. Like, has it been like a year to year deal where every year you kind of reevaluate and reevaluate? Yeah, I think, I think after, after this year, I feel it was about, about time, you know, um, to step down because I've been doing it for quite a long time. And I just wanted to turn it over to somebody else. And like I said, one of the reasons was family. Yeah. I want to be, spend more time with family. So it's not, it wasn't a year to year thing. I think, uh, yeah, I think this year was the year that I felt, you know, it's time. It's time to it's time to step down. I've, I've I still got some good kids coming back next year. You know, they, we've got five or six qualifiers, a couple of place winners, so in pretty good shape. We got good, a real good freshman class coming up. I think the most freshman we've had in the last probably eight or nine years. I think we'll have at least ten, twelve freshmen. So. Wow. Uh, We've got a good junior high coach, and and that's you got more kids involved with a uh, with a, with a kids club, and so you know all is going well. So I'm not leaving the program, and not in good shape. It's in good yeah. shape. So I felt it was a good time to step down. Yeah, who? So also ironically, so Dean and Dale went out in seventh grade. That's when you started wrestling. Who got you out for wrestling? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting story, but. Uh, I actually went out for basketball in seventh grade because they didn't have interscholastic wrestling mm-hmm. and they didn't have a lot of club wrestling either. But uh, I went out for basketball and I made the top 15. They had about 60 kids go out, big oh, junior wow. high school. I made the top 15, but they found out <laughs> they only had 12 uniforms. <laughs> so the next day they posted the 12 and, it's, and I wasn't on it. And I go to the I go to the PE teacher, who's also the basketball coach. I go, Coach, how come you cut me? And go, Smith. Make a long story short, you're a ball hog. I was a ball hog. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd, we'd scrimmage and stuff. I wouldn't pass the ball. I just jumped out of the court and shoot. You know. So that was <laughs> that was the end of my basketball career. And then um, I wrestled, and then they had intramurals, and this was like. Uh, I think it was like in the late winter after basketball, junior high basketball was over. So they had intramurals and my first match, I got pinned. First wrestling match I ever did, I, I got pinned. And uh, and then I won, won the next couple matches and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, my first time just stepping on the mat. And then I started getting in more in an eighth grade where I started, they started getting clubs going and stuff. And I wrestled for like the VFW. It's a sanctioned wrestling club. And I wrestled in a bunch of tournaments. I started winning tournaments and having some success. And then my freshman year in high school, 
Um, I, um, I went to a high school. I went to John Hersey High School, Narnton Heights. This is the first year the high school was open. was 68, so after my freshman year. And we had a really good, they hired a, a, a former coach at another high school that was an assistant, but he, he was very reputable as an assistant, a longtime assistant. He came in, name was Tom Porter, and uh, he was about five foot nothing, but a tough SOB. And he, um, he, he coached me and got me interested in wrestling, and we had a really good freshman class. We had a really a lot of good athletes. I mean, we're football. I played football and I played baseball and I wrestled and they were all football players and, and, and baseball players. Some of them wrestled. And my first year I, I finished up below 500. I was like 14 and 15 or something like that at the varsity level. And I, he knew I had some talent. So he started taking me to freestyle tournaments and stuff in the summer. And I started getting more success. My sophomore year, I was undefeated going into the district tournament. Um, and I, I was looking ahead to the, my next match and I got beat on a takedown right at, at the edge of the mat, like nine to eight, I lost and you couldn't wrestle back because the guy that beat me got beat the next round. So there's no wrestle back. Yeah. So I was 19 and 0 going in a district tournament and that, that hurt bad. And then I came back and won a lot of freestyle. I placed at, uh, junior nationals. And then my last two, last two years, um, I went undefeated and won the state title 126 and 132. And ironically, my high school team won state my junior and senior years. And that was a group of athletes. Like I said, they came in the freshman year. By the time we were juniors, we had four other kids on my team that wrestled. We wrestled all through, you know, eighth grade through junior high, eighth grade through, you know, uh, all the way up to juniors. And we all were successful you know, below, but really stepped in um, my junior year. Uh, my my other teammates, we had a, another kid that placed second, another kid, kid that placed third, a couple fourths, fifth, and we we're all this, all juniors. And so we were all coming back next year, and we dominated next year in one state. So, and that's the rest, you know, and then I went on to Iowa. But um, if it wasn't for getting cut from the basketball team, I don't know where I'd be right now. <laughs> wow. What a story. Yeah. Did anyone yeah. else wrestle in your family? Yeah, actually, my brother did, um, and he he was good. See, when I left to go to Iowa, he was just a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. and I I talked him in going out for wrestling, and he went to a different high school because my parents split up and we were young. So he lived with my mom, and I lived with my dad and sister, and my other two sisters was with my mom, and so I wasn't around them a lot. But I I taught mm-hmm. you know we were close. But he went to uh, another high school in Arlington Heights, and it was Arlington High School. And he wrestled for them his freshman year. And he th- he went undefeated, but he just wrestled at the freshman level. Mm-hmm. Then when I went to Iowa, he decided, you know, he wasn't really into it like I was. So he he didn't wrestle till after his freshman year. And then he... Um, he not being a, like a mechanic. He, he he just loved working on cars and stuff like that. And that was his profession, you know, when he's an adult. And then he very successful as a as a uh, mechanic and stuff like that. So, and he's he's still he's still kicking, and he lives in um, he lives in Illinois still. And we we actually just talked to him on the phone yesterday. But all my sons, all my sons wrestled. All my sons played football, 
and baseball. So they had a lot of success and they just kind of followed my footsteps and they had great careers. Yeah. Did they, um, they go through the city high system? Yeah. They all went to city high. Yeah. Um, two of them were born when I was at Lisbon. One was a first grader when we left Jake, my oldest, he was a first grader. And then, um, yeah, they all went to school in the in Iowa City School District and all graduated from City High and they're all doing well now with families. Uh um one lives in my my second boy, Cody, lives in uh, North Liberty, he has three kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, my, my youngest son Colton, he lives in um Arnigan or in Arnigan Heights. He lives in Iowa City here, just about a mile away. He's got one one daughter. And then my oldest boy just moved out to Florida, like I said, Jacob. And he has, he has two. So. Yeah. Wow. Quite the grown family there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I think they're all done now. So six grandkids, yeah. that's plenty. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what made the decision to go to city high? I mean, I think you kind of touched on that. You wanted it maybe a little bigger school, but yeah, I, think, you know, I was, I was, you know, finished up really, really well with some state championships at, at, at Lisbon and, um, actually, um, Jeff McGinnis, you remember Jeff McGinnis, yeah. <laughs> too bad. His dad actually called me and asked me, um, to apply because Clyde Bean, who was a, a longtime coach at, at city high was going to retire. And so I was in a pretty good spot at Lisbon. We had a real good team and a real good season. I won state that year too. And, um, I had the Ike, the light boys were still coming back and we had a couple of the really kids coming back and actually Lembeck who took over from me, um, won two state titles right after I left. So I left them a real good program, but, um, I decided to, you know, interview for the job and they had quite a few people, but I had a good interview and they ended up offering me the job. And, you know, I taught PE there and strength training for years and, like I said, with my first year there, Clyde Bean left me a really good team. I had Jeff McGinnis. He was going for his third title. I had this Palestine kid, Milbrandt kid, Mark Mitchell, uh, John Schieffer, Scott Naughton. He left, left me a really good team. And I, we, we, we struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, my first year there. But then we found the right weight for everybody, how everybody fitted in where they wanted to be and everything gelled in the place. And, um, we ended up one of the state title my first year there. So I made a pretty good move. And, you know, I knew, I knew a lot of the kids at city high because I did camps, you know, at Iowa and a lot of those kids would come to the camps, city high kids, lesbian kids, kids from all over the place. So I got a lot of, know a lot of the high school kids just doing those wrestling camps all those years too. And that helped me connection and knowing kids. So I knew going to city high, there's a good foundation and there's good coaches, system coaches there. And um, I felt real good about taking that job and I, I was happy I did it. And then to be in there for 21 years. And I, I was going to retire after that 21 years at, um, City High had some other things I wanted to do. I was going to build a, um, all had it set up pretty much like a wrestling facility to train year long for kids, like a wrestling club. Mm -hmm. We had the land picked out in Lisbon and everything. But then, you know, after thinking they had, they had a camp, they had a club at Cornell, they had a club at Co. They had a couple of the clubs in the area. They had um, 
one on the Auburn ad that they had for years. And I just thought it was watered down too much. So I kind of thought, thought a little bit more against it because I, I'm sure I would have got a good group of kids, but I didn't want to take away from other clubs in the area. So I said, hey, I'll just come back and coach at Lisbon again. And it was the best movie I ever made. What, what a, what a story. Like what ended up you like that you were able to come back to Lisbon, like it just stars kind of aligned or what? Yeah. Well, a couple of, well, actually I had calls from former wrestlers because Lisbon, Lisbon was struggling again. I mean, they were 29th in the state and you know 33rd. And I think the best they did was like sixth or seventh because they had, you know, these were all former coaches of mine that I, that I coach. They had Brian Hall. Uh, he was a state champ for me in 1980. He, that was a kid that was behind 14 to two with about 30 left, seconds left and hit the kid in the ladder drop and pinned him. <laughs> it was crazy. Ray Q from North Springs Rock Falls was, he was tough. He was just hammering my kid. But that's a little enough story in itself. But Brian Hall was a head coach for a while. He couldn't really get it going and um, Dean Happel came in, he stepped in and th they just didn't have a lot of good athletes at that point. And then, uh, Jamie Camberling, he actually helped me out at, uh, city high for a few years, four or five years. He was my assistant, one of my assistants. Then he took over the job at, uh, at Lisbon when Happel got done and he, he did a pretty good job and got to go back up a little bit, but it wasn't what the people of Lisbon were expecting. Mm -hmm. So I was getting calls from former parents and stuff asking, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay city high? We'd love to have you come back. And that's when I was in transition. I was ready to step down and do that wrestling club stuff. And that didn't work out. So I was kind of in limbo for there a little bit. And I decided to take the job back and it took me two years. And then, we get back up on top again. We won a couple runner-ups and a couple state titles. And then um, we got to, I got it back to where the, the program was strong again. And, and I felt really good about that. And like I said, it was, it was the best move I ever made. Yeah. What do you do to step away from the sport? You know, you're, you do a lot. You're like immersed in the sport. But what do you do in your free time when you're not doing something with wrestling? Well, that's a good question. I spend time with my wife, obviously. Uh, we like to watch movies. We, we like to go out with friends. Um, like I said, she's even playing pickleball now, too. So <laughs> we, got, we got that in common. We play over at Green State. You, uh, you know where the Extreme is in Corville? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they have a, a place, Green State is connected to the backside of it. And they have 16 courts, pickleball courts, mm -hmm. indoor, and it's real nice. So we, we play pretty much every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, But we're going to do more traveling now. I think just more free time. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about getting ready, ready kids to get ready for camp and, you know, just the planning and, and all the stuff you have to do to keep your program, you know, where you want it to be. You know, a lot of coaches, you know, most of the good coaches I know, they open up their doors year round, you know, you know, in the summer and, and they don't push your kids to get in the room all the time, but you, you give them the opportunity if they want to get better, the opportunity is there. You know, now you can coach your kids in the summer. It used to be you couldn't coach your kids in the summer for years. And 
but now you can coach your kids. Once school is out, you can coach your kids as much as you want and get involved with them as much as you want. So the good coaches do that. And the, mm-hmm. the coaches that aren't really into the sport just do it just to be, they're just there for the end season. And then they shut the door and the doors close for the rest of the year. And it's, I feel bad for those kids that are in those programs, but those good kids that are in those programs find other means and go to other places to work out to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you got to give those kids those opportunities, but you know, my, my stress levels down a lot more. My blood pressure is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. So, there's a lot of stuff I don't have to worry about, but you know, I'm going to miss it. And like I said, I'm going to yeah. still make a point to go over there and, you know, show some stuff and, you know, go to some of the meets and, and see how the kids are doing. How's everything going? And especially if they get a new coach, I want to, I want to see how things are going with him and, and those type of things and make sure everything is headed in the right directions because even though you're not coaching there anymore, you know, I still have a lot of pride in the program. For sure. Which is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was your wife, was she involved in wrestling from a young age or like, did what did no. you hear about the sport until she met you? Well, she didn't know what wrestling was until she met me. And actually, that's another story in itself. Um, we lived in the same apartment complex in Iowa City. She was going to um, the university the same time I was. And she lived right above me. And I saw her a few times. I said, yeah, she's pretty good looking. <laughs> so after I won the Nationals, um, we had a party down in our our our, our apartment complex some of the wrestlers came over and we invited them down and, and we hit it off pretty well. So that's basically how we first started dating. And she, she never, she knew what wrestling was, but she wasn't a follower. She was in, in the band in high school and, and things like that. She wasn't, she wasn't athletic in high school. So she had a boyfriend in high school that was in the band. So she wasn't around sports a lot at all. So her first, clue with wrestling was we were watching it was on sports illustrated the ncaa finals some of the matches not on espn i don't think they had espn back then <laughs> i'm not sure but so we watched and they showed a whole 30 seconds of my match <laughs> that was it my finals match and so we started dating after that and we got along real well and uh, a year later we got married really just after a year yeah, after a um, year. Yeah, we met in '76 after my national final, and we got married in uh, September 10th, the next fall. So, and she's had my back ever since. So, yeah. she's been a real good support system. And you know, some people, some coaches might not have that. So, you know, but she was always agreed for what you know. Spent a lot of time in off season, time away from her, and at wrestling camps, and going to Fargo every summer, and junior nationals every summer, which is another week and a half. And mm-hmm. you know, I did all that, but it was all for the program, and she understood that, so she was real, uh, real good about that. Yeah, yeah, that's you know what I've learned too. Talking to coaches successful like yourself is yeah, wrestling is a year-round deal and successful programs the coach is almost immersed in it right all you know almost 24 7 really but, yeah yeah so. yeah it's always out you know, when i'm coaching it's always on the back of my mind what to do next and right what kid you need to you know figure out and that's one thing gable was real good about he he knew what each 
each wrestler needed individually. He didn't, he didn't coach guys, you know, so he didn't coach everybody the same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was good about finding what, what your innate weakness was and things like that. And he used to take me out on 10 mile runs because oh. he knew just for he I had mental toughness, but he thought I needed a little bit more. So in in the fall, he he started making me this by before my senior year. Cause he thought I should have done more before my senior year. I mean, I had good years, but I always come national time. I didn't quite get over I get to the blood round and then I get beaten the blood round and you know, I wasn't quite reaching there was something missing there he he figured it out i just need a little more mental toughness and and maybe you know something that i thought i couldn't do that he made me do so i ran 10 miles he tied a rope around my waist and tied to the bumper of the car and i had a pace with the car oh, no way yeah how fast was the car going well, <laughs> I had a, a pretty good pace, <laughs> but it took me out in the country. And yeah. those, ro- 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 those gravel roads are dusty too. Yeah. So, but I, I did that. I did that. Like, I didn't realize it, but he said I did, I did it six times in the fall. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't make me do a rope around every time. I did. He, I did that maybe one time. Yeah. And then I kept up the pace. He just used the pace car and. You know, you, sometimes he would have somebody else drive and he'd run with me. Really? Yeah. Well, he could run forever. That guy was like, he was a machine. <laughs> so that's another thing that helped me out. And and that's what he was good at. And there's other guys on the team that needed other things, you know, a little bit more strength. I, I was normally, normally a strong wrestler and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I lifted weights, but I had that normal automatic strength that developed and some guys didn't so he put them on weight programs or some guys he talked to psychologists you know just for, for the mental aspect of the sport so he had also had everything figured out and he, he knew what guys need and that's why he was such an awesome coach mm-hmm. yeah what was it like you know like you said you got to the blood round a couple times as at iowa and couldn't get over the hump but then that senior year you finally finished on top was that pretty satisfying. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I was, I was, I was ready for it. I figured it was my last shot and I, I beat a couple of really good guys. Um, I beat the guy that, uh, won at the previous year in the semis, I think Don Roan from, from Lehigh. Well, he had, he had won it. He won it his freshman year and this was his senior year and he had, he'd, placed all three years before that mm-hmm. so he was he was he was the guy that was was kind of holding me back and and uh i i beat him i majored him wow and that really set me it gave me the confidence that i need to go into the finals and actually i thought i was going to wrestle a kid from oklahoma state this guy named steve barrett that won in his junior year at a different weight class and he had beaten me in a freestyle like two to one earlier that summer. And we had a really good match then. And I thought he was, he was in the semis in the other bracket. And, um, no, he was in the court. He got beaten the quarters by the guy wrestled in the finals and he got beat wow. pretty bad by the guy in the finals. Then in the semis, there was another Brad Smith in the semis so the, i i want i had already won my match in the semis in the finals and i was watching the other brad smith wrestle in the, the other semi match 
um, because it was still going on. And he got beat 5-5-0-0. And this is when they had referees decisions. And the guy from Slippery Rock, the guy from Slippery Rock won the match on criteria. And so I was that was that close from wrestling Brad Smith in the in the finals. <laughs> that was crazy. So I wrestled, so I wrestled the guy from Slippery Rock and and I beat him and you know pretty sad. I beat him twelve to four. So I just had a real good tournament. I got better every match and and got more confident every match. And that goes back to Gable making me believe in myself. So, but uh, that would have been pretty neat, Brad Smith. But I could have lost. I forgot about the criteria. Yeah. They had them, the refs, it was basically the ref's decision. Yeah. Yeah. Just referee, the referee assistant ref in the table, they would all talk. But uh, another guy, I wrestled a guy at, in, um, at, at Iowa my senior year. At the at the field house, that's when they had the the duels in the field house. Mm-hmm. And people say it was one of the best matches we've ever seen. This the guy was named name was Mike Mike Freck from Lehigh. He was a two time national champ, and he was a returning national champ. And this was my senior year, and we scrambled, scrambled. We were all over the mat. That tight and, and dual meets. They didn't have criteria, just in mm-hmm. tournaments. We tied four four, so each team got two points for dual meet. It was two points per team. And uh, it was one of the best matches. Some of the people said it was one of the best matches they ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. And then he went, I didn't see him at, at Nationals that year because he went down to 34. And I was at 42. I stayed at 42. Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing because that would have been a wild match too. <laughs> yeah. The field house. Wow. Yeah. And Ed, we used to pack that place. Yeah. Yeah. And Gay, we used to make make us run those stairs in the in the field house too, all the way around the whole complex. Yeah, with a guy on your back. Oh, oh man, he probably made you do some just crazy things that just. Oh yeah, and he kept doing that, you know, as a head coach. He was just assistant then. Yeah, he, he got he got worse. <laughs> he, got worse. he got he got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have him as a head coach. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he made us do some things, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy things. But uh, we had this hill by by um, um, the uh, the old uh, it wasn't the rec, well, the rec center, mm-hmm. the old rec center, and this hill went straight up, and that that's what we would run in, in preseason, you know, in the fall. We'd run up those hills with guys on our back too, and it was a steady incline. Yeah, yeah, he would hit a wall. But, how, long, uh, how long was the hill? About a half mile, probably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then you what you have to jog back down. Mm-hmm. You jog back down, then the other guy would do it. We'd do 10 of them. <laughs> 10 of them each? Like you would do 10 and then the other guy would do 10? Well, we do five apiece. Okay, five apiece. Still. Even, I, thought, I thought even one was good. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Wow, did you did you ever implement any of that into like your Lisbon program? Like, yeah, we, yeah, I made him do some. You know, I made him run in the off season. The guys that weren't out for football, yeah, we had we had training sessions. We would do long runs out in the country roads. Um, the Light Brothers would always do it. And, you know, Royce Alger, um, he was a great wrestler, one of the best yeah. to ever come out of the Lisbon, two time national champ. 
you know, silver medalist. He's still coaching now and doing some great things with a New York club, mm-hmm. but um, he would, he would run from home and into school. It was four miles year long during the winter what? You know, every day he would run. Yeah. He was, and he used to do those runs with us too. And, and they'd run uh, out in the country and I'd run with them. And then we'd come back to my house and we'd cut up some watermelon, have some watermelon, stuff like that. And, and then in the summer, we used to take one of the mats from uh, uh, the Lisbon resting room mm-hmm. and we were laid out in my lawn, out, outside of my lawn. And um, we would have guys like Jim Gibbons, um, Tim Krieger, um, Royce Alger, uh, Keevan Schaefer from Lisbon, uh, a bunch of other guys, Joe Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Remember all those names? Yeah. They would come and we would work out in the summer out there. And I by high school, but kids would come out there too. And uh, Tim Creek was one of the best high school wrestlers I ever knew, but he was a freshman in, at Iowa and he was coming and working out with us. And um, one time he, he, he belly the back me. He hit me hit with a souffle belly the back. I had yeah. no idea where I was and I thought I was going to break my neck, but I didn't even hit the mat. It was so, it was so smooth. I said, that's enough for me, Tim. <laughs> Never again. No, no, we, I didn't go. Well, I didn't go upper body with them anymore. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, but yeah, we had some good guys wrestling over there and in the summer, all former collegiates and stuff that um, really helped our, our, our high school kids out. So, yeah, I, I got a, I should send you a picture of, of all the guys that were in the room. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, if you want to send me send me your email, I'll send you a picture of all those guys who used to come to us, come to Lisbon work out in the summer. We had we counted we we had um there was like twelve state NAS, NCAA champions a total of 12, 12 guys that won NCAA titles and twenty nine state champions. Holy cow! And they came, they worked we worked out for like three weeks like three times a week, so that, that was neat. I'll send you that picture. Yeah, that'd be great. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, Lisbon, you think of the town of Lisbon. I mean, we were I just drove through. I was at uh Sutliff Bridge. I went up to the Sutliff Bridge the other oh, day. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Um had some food there, but uh the town is, you know, like you said, you struggled with numbers at times, but to have the right. success, man, it's it's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, you get you get the right kids out. You know, he's always had good kids that loved wrestling, and you know, sometimes we'd have, you know, we started out thirty. You know, usually my last few years we had twenty, twenty-two kids out. You know, that's it. And, yeah, and um, but they were all wrestlers. You know, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and, you know, they were all they were all good kids, and and um, yeah, the numbers were always around twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three, just you know, right around there, and. Um, but that's all we needed, you know? Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had a chip on your shoulder, you know, because of the size of the program? I mean, I mean, even some other 1A schools, like I might say Don Bosco, they have, it almost seems like the whole high school is out for wrestling. Yeah. They, they usually have around, they usually had about 25 and they're smaller than us too. Oh, really? Yeah, they're one of the smallest 1A teams. Wilton, that's really coming up. As, they took yeah. runner-up last year. That I think they had like almost 40 kids. Wow. But they're right at 200 or so. They're right on the bubble. Because they, yep, yep, they've, yep. 
they've been two way before. Mm-hmm. So they, when I was growing up. Yeah. So they got more kids. They probably get 60 more kids than we do. We have 130 something, I think nine through 12. So, but I think Don Bosco only has like 80 kids. Yeah. And they, they're good every year. Yeah. They got, some, they got some, they got a really good team coming back. So that's Will. I think Albert will have a pretty, pretty good team coming back. Um, you know, Underwood's always good. We'll be good. Yeah. Um, Nashville Plainfield's a team that's really mm-hmm. improved the last few years. I know Al Frost, he's a former Iowa wrestler. Yeah. He's been coaching there forever. And uh, he's old school. Boy, he's he's a great guy. He does everything. You know, I don't think he knows how to use a computer. <laughs> really? When did, did you when did you start to learn? How do it, you use technology? It, it, it took me a while. Yeah. I finally figured it out because I was on the, on the internet so much. My wife's really good. She's ah. techniques, she's she's uh techniques, you know, savvy with all that stuff. And um and my sons are real good at it too. So ah. but I, I was, you know, when I was at at um Lisbon at the beginning, you know, everything was on in the book and stuff, you know. Yep, yep. Probably anything on a computer. Back then, in the 70, 78, 79, 80. I remember growing up, we used to have this big, not this big, but the red, this red book, and it would tell you all the tournaments that we're in. You know, I forget what it oh, was. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's how you knew what tournaments and where to go. It was just you got this book and flip it open. Yeah. Every date where all the tournaments were. So, Chet, your uncle? Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's done a good job at MFL. And he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get the best Christmas presents, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a pretty good wrestling team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, what about um, when you were getting closer? I want to ask about the dual record. You know, was that something that you even looked at, or did you even realize you were getting close to setting the record? Yeah, I was. I I, I look at the uh, website a lot. I look at because yeah. you know, I, I try to keep keep Lisbon guys updated. You know, three time state champs, four time state champs. Yeah. You know, Hunter Win Club. They have the Hunter Win Club and the Pin Club, and and so I always nominate my kids when before it comes out because they get they they redo both. I think the book later this summer. So I've got you know like that Brandon Pies. Yep. Um, they just finished up going to you and I next year. He's a three timer. He set some records. And I look at that and I look at the coaches and, and, you know, I realized where I was at. And, um, and the guy that was at, uh, where was he from? Lorenz Marathon had the record and then he retired. And I was only a few behind him. So I knew he was going to pass him and get the record. And I, you know, um, I ended up with 704, I think. And, you know, that'll stand for a while, but there'll always be somebody <laughs> to come up that will surpass that, you know, records are meant to be broke. So, yeah. So I knew, I knew that I knew I had more four, four state champions than anybody else. Cause Lisbon's had the most Lisbon's had the three, you know, they've had uh Scott Morningstar. I coached him his last two years. And then of course, uh, Shane light, I coached him all four years. Carter Happel, all, all four years, and, and Kill, all four years. Mm-hmm. So Lisbon's had at least four, 
and no other schools had more than two. I think about Don Bosco's had two. Yeah, with Mac and Bart. Yeah, exactly. So, and uh, you know, individual state champions. I've had sixty-five now, and <laughs> obviously that's record because no other teams had more than it. there's had teams that had more state champions, but. Um, I think only one school has had more state champion. I think that's Waterloo West. That that Siddons, Bob Siddons, the great coach over there in that yeah. high school. They they were good for years and years, but they've been down for boy, they've been down for like the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. They haven't had a real good program, but maybe they'll get back to where they they want to be in the yeah. future. So but yeah, I look, you know, you look at that stuff and yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's good to do, but you know, it's, it's not just me. It's like all the great wrestlers I've had the opportunity to coach and the coaches behind me that have helped me out along the way. And, um, and I've been blessed with a lot of good, good athletes and coaches behind me. And so it's, it's a complete effort of a lot of people, but not just me to get, the records I got. Yeah. Do you still get emotional or like goosebumps during certain, you know, like for me personally, every time the grand March happens, I get goosebumps still to this day. You know, when I watch it on TV or if I'm there, you know, yeah. do you have something that still gets you goosebumps or still gets you like the blood. Oh, going? Yeah. yeah. Like, like the final state finals are the neatest, you know, best thing, you know, I'll be watching all those and, you know, I led the Grand March this year, by the way. So that was neat. That was yeah. one of the best. And it was like when he at when um, Louis Louis um, can it, Louis Curtis, he's the wrestling executive, and mm-hmm. he got a hold of me early in the fall. And this, I wasn't even yeah, I wasn't telling me I was going to try. I didn't even know I was going to retire at the end of the year. But usually. Mm-hmm. You're, it's retired people that are out of wrestling that, that get invited. So I was one of the first coaches ever to, you know, in-season coach to be able to do that. So that was a really neat experience. So that gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. But every year at the state, when you go to walk into the state tournament, you know, walk out on that mat for your first round match with your first kid, that's when you get the goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Or, or when the guy says, you know, Wrestlers clear the match, you know, uh, that, yeah. that thing too. That's neat. Yeah. And that same guy's been doing that for years. I know. Oh, that's crazy. It wouldn't, you know, that that's going to be something that's going to be different when, you know, whenever that person steps down, it's yeah. same. Yeah. 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 And the guy was on the announcer there for years, um, passed away. Um, guy from Prairie. Mm-hmm. He, he announced the state tournament for years, and, and he just passed away recently. Really? I can't even think of his name right now. They call him Bubba. Um, but he, he did a, the commentating for Prairie for years, and then he, mm-hmm. he did, like, the AAU state mm-hmm. tournament every year. No kidding. Uh, yeah, kids tournament every year. Yeah, God, I can't even think of his name. But, yeah, he's, he, was a, he was a voice in wrestling for years and years. I just, I just always called him Bubba. I didn't even know yeah. that was his nickname. Yeah. What um, I'd love to ask you one last thing, um, you know, advice that you might have to younger coaches or somebody who's coming in to the coaching scene, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of nuggets that you would have for them. 
you know, just with all the success yeah. had in the pedigree, just. Yeah, I, I would I would say come in come into the program with a philosophy that you want the kids to know that what your philosophy is, um, what your expectations are for your wrestlers, what are you expecting them to do during the season, what are you expecting to do during the off season, um, get get together with the parents. I always had a parents meeting every before every wrestling season. Um, expectations, you know, for the season and, and what my goals are as a coach, um, come in there with, with confidence that you're going to do a good job and you're going to treat, you know, you coaches have a tendency to spend more time with their, their better athletes. You have to spend time with all your athletes and make sure, you know, your parents and your kids know that, that you're going to treat all your wrestlers the same and, and try to get up the best. Uh, not every kid's going to reach their goals and be the best they can be, but you want to try to make them the best they can be each individual. And they're all going to have different ability levels and people have to understand that. And you're not all going to have the same success, but if you're on the wrestling team and you're part of the program that, that I, that I'm involved in, you're going to have some success no matter what. So all those things play in a factor, but I think the main thing is, you know, treat all your kids the same. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing before I let you go is sometimes people who are involved in the sport, they do it for so long. They don't take time to just stop and reflect on, you know, their career. Like, have you had time to do that to sit back and look over your whole career coaching wrestling and be proud of what you've accomplished? Yeah, I, I have a little bit, but, you know, I, I think I will more here in the, in the next few months mm -hmm. or reflect back. And because like my summers are always busy, you know, with wrestling and now it's not. So, you know, it's, it'll give me more time to reflect on things I've done. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I think I'm proud of, of what I've accomplished. And I think I, I left a lot of good people or a lot of wrestlers that have gone on and do bigger and better things. Once they get out of the sport, I think most, most of my, my athletes have, are, have begun, have become good citizens mm -hmm. so after wrestling, have good jobs, have good work ethics, have families, you know, all that stuff's important. The wrestling part's all great and dandy, but, um, once, once you, the main thing is, is when kids leave the program and go on to their own, that they do the right things and make the right decisions. And, and hopefully you had a part, part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, coaching, as long as you have, I mean, touched a lot of people and the whole sport as a whole, you know, I mean, yeah. even, even just from afar, you know, people might even look at you and go, man, that's who I want to be. And you don't even realize that people are looking up to you you know right you know i i know i looked up to coaches when i came in too like like bob Dara from dowling we coached mm -hmm. together for years uh, uh at the national level for you know freestyle and uh of course bob siddons i knew him real well i worked camps when i a lot of times when i worked at iowa camp bob siddons gable would put me with bob siddons <laughs> and i learned a lot from bob siddons he had so much some great philosophies and stuff. So, 
Yeah, I, I idolize those guys as coaches. And I, my high school coach, Tom Porter, you know, kept in touch with, touch with me when I was coaching and stuff and when he was out of it. And so there's certain people that you look up to and it helps you, you know, raise your level too, I think, if, if you, you follow those, those footsteps. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just thought of one last question, if you don't mind. What was it like coaching a character like Al, uh, Royce Alger? You know, you kind of touched on him earlier, but. Yeah. Yeah. He was something. Yeah. He was something else. He, uh, he, he was a hard worker, man. Nobody outworked him. Um, he wasn't, he was a good, pretty good athlete, but you know, not hand that high coordination. You know, just a tough, good football player, just hard nose, good mm-hmm. linebacker. You give him a football to take him three guys to bring him down. You know, <laughs> he, he was just you're tough as nails all the way around. And, um, he, he he had a lot of misconceptions about things. You know, he lived out in the farm. Yeah. And he would fill water bottles, milk, milk bottles with water and hide them around the house. Because he was always afraid they'd run out of water out there. <laughs> Seriously. And he would ask stupid questions like, uh, if I peel uh, the skin off the grapes, will I gain less weight? <laughs> Seriously. I got a lot. I got a lot of stories on Royce, but uh, yeah, he was always hurt before the state tournament every year. His senior year in PE class, he wanted to break the record of diving over people, <laughs> doing a, a, a you know people would lay down side to side on the wrestling mat. Yeah, and he had ten people lay down, and he'd get a running start. He would jump over them and do a, like a diving forward roll. Mm-hmm. And he landed on his shoulder. And this was like two weeks before the state tournament. And he hurt his shoulder. He separated us, slightly separated it because he went for the record. And I actually left the room when he mm-hmm. did this. I wouldn't let him do it. And one of my assistants was in there. And for some reason, he, he didn't think about stopping Royce. And so he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. So he had a, a, a brace on his shoulder his senior year. His junior year, I had to take him to the hospital because he, he thought he, he thought it was something seriously wrong with him. Mm-hmm. So I had to take him to the hospital. And the, and the doctor goes, there's, there's nothing wrong with this guy. Send him home. <laughs> so basically, he was the biggest hypochondriac I, I've ever known. <laughs> but one of the toughest wrestlers I've ever coached. Yeah. Yeah, he did more more collegiately than most wrestlers. McGinnis was another one. You know, he McGinnis was a two-time national champ too. Yeah. One cadet worlds and all that stuff. So, but they were two of the best that I had the opportunity to coach. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Brad Smith, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care. See you next time.